Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, the home of sports talk about the Yankees, Giants, Rangers, and Rutgers, and I'm your host, Don. Today we're going to be talking about the Giants offense and how much it really needs to be fixed, and the Rangers win 3-2 over the LA Kings in a shootout on Monday. So let's go ahead and get started. So, the New York Giants. Watching the playoffs this weekend, and watching the offenses that they have there, it, it gets you thinking as a Giants fan that we feel like we're in a different league from these other NFL teams. It almost makes a Giants offense look like a, a high school offense with how efficient and exciting it is. And if you watch these games over the weekend, these were some of the more exciting NFL playoff games you'll ever see. It was great. That Bills game in particular was fantastic late on Sunday. And when you compare it to the Giants and Folks get depressed thinking about the Giants' offense. There's a stark contrast watching these teams move up and down the field, be efficient, block, complete passes, actually look like competent offenses, and then you look at the Giants and you just shake your head. The Giants finished this year, 2021 season, tied with, I think it was the Panthers, for last in offensive ratings. The Giants were last in red zone offense, Second to last, I think, the previous year. And I don't want to, I don't care about Jones' injury. Everyone's going to say, well, you know, we didn't have our quarterback the last, you know, five or six games of the year. I don't give a shit. When Jones was in there, the Giants were four and seven while he got hurt. They averaged about 317 yards a game and 18 points a game. So I don't know what folks are thinking about when Jones has been here the last couple years and this year. But their offense sucked when Jones was in there. It just sucked worse when he wasn't in there. So people that think Jones is going to come back and suddenly we have a great offense, I don't know what they're thinking. It's it's sad, and it's something that the new GM and the new coach are going to have to figure out. It's looking like they're going to stick with Daniel Jones going into the 2022 season, which... It is, it is what it is, and we have two first-round picks. One of them, we might take a shot at a quarterback, but I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, we're going to go in with Daniel Jones, and some folks might find that okay. I do not. He just does not seem to be on the same level as some of these other great quarterbacks, and maybe it's time we took a shot. I don't know how many years in a row we have to watch this guy and say, well, we don't know. It's the line. It's this, and the Giants have problems at every position, right? They need everything. You know, we talked about Jones. They need almost an entire new offensive line. They just have a terrible, terrible offensive line. The left tackle, Andrew Thomas, is decent, but that's it, right? Receivers, they need receivers. Come on. They they have no playmaking receivers. They need a tight end. They might even need a running back. I mean, Barkley is supposedly some great running back, but you watch him week in and week out, and you know, you shake your head sometimes. So there isn't anything on offense that seems to be set. And it's it's something that is, you know, distressing. And it really is brought to the forefront when you watch the playoff games, particularly this weekend, with all the exciting plays and all the big plays and, and the movement up and down the field and the ability to complete on third and fourth downs and really provide excitement for your team. It's something that the Giants have been bereft of for, uh, it just seems like forever. I can't remember the last time the Giants had an exciting offense, and it's something that's sorely missed. As an example of that, I saw a stat the other day. 
The Bills and the Chiefs, by the way, in that fantastic end to that playoff game, scored 25 points, the Bills and Chiefs, in the last minute and 50 seconds of regulation. So in less than the last two minutes of the game, those two teams scored 25 points. For reality check, the Giants scored 26 points over the last four games of the season. So there you have it. I mean, it's just impossible to be any worse than the Giants are on offense, and it's something that has to be taken care of. Uh, And by the way, for that Chiefs-Bills game, what an awesome game. Just tremendous. With 13 seconds left, a couple things contributed to it, but, you know, some poor Bills defense in the last, you know, 13 seconds. And the Chiefs actually having all of their timeouts, by the way, which is so critical, led to their comeback. And it's something that is so much more critical than anyone ever talks about, and it certainly came to fruition in that Chiefs game. Saving your timeouts and having them available at the end of the game is about the most critical thing you can do if you're in a close game. The Giants continually use them for no reasons, particularly delay of games to try to avoid a delay of game, which is just insane. It is beyond stupid to waste a timeout over trying to save five yards. Unless you're at some vitally critical, important part late in the second half, take the friggin' five-yard penalty. It is not worth blowing a timeout. It's five yards. If your offense is so incompetent you can't even make up five yards and you got to blow a timeout, then you have bigger problems and don't even worry about any of it. But the Bills, I'm sorry, the Chiefs having their three timeouts at the end basically led them to winning a playoff game. Had it been the Giants, and of course they would have blown two or three of their timeouts, there wouldn't have been any time, and obviously they wouldn't have been anywhere near being able to kick that tying field goal. As far as the overtime, I do agree that it is unfair. It is not the way that a playoff game should end. Each team should be able to have the ball at least one time. It seems only fair. There's some silly counter arguments to this, but the counter arguments are just silly and made up. And there is no viable reason, no legitimate reason anyone can give that can convince me that each team should not touch the ball at least once in overtime, no matter what. And then after that, if it's tied, great. The the first score after that wins. Touch it once each, and that's it. And it's just silly, silly, ridiculous. It was such a tough loss for the Bills. And uh, if, I'm a, if I was a Bills fan, I would be so upset at the way they lost that game. But, you know, they, they brought it on themselves. You know, they let the Chiefs drive right down the field with 13 seconds left and then let them drive down the field for a touchdown right in overtime. So crushing, heart-crushing loss by the Bills to the Chiefs. But a tremendous, tremendous playoff game that just sort of highlighted the difference in really good offenses versus the awful offense that the Giants have. And it's something to strive for, and it's something that this new management GM and whoever the coach is will need to fix sooner rather than later. So I'm going to move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Rangers. The Rangers won Monday night. They had a shootout win over the LA Kings. They won 3-2. to two. In a game in which, by the way, Crowder had yet another goal and yet another deflection goal. Again, it continues to astound me how good Crowder has become at deflecting shots and scoring goals off of deflections. Again, I've said this on previous podcasts, but for a person like Crowder who has 
some of the worst hands I've ever seen when stick handling and continues to have passes go off his stick. And year after year, I've just been yelling at the screen saying, oh, my God, how bad his stick handling and, you know, generally his, his hand-eye coordination with those passes are. Suddenly he is the maybe one of the best in the NHL at deflecting shots and scoring goals off them. And another good job on Monday night by Kreider. And that helped. That was an early goal. Uh, Igor Shosturkin was good for the Rangers in goal again. Uh, there were some very clutch shootout goals by Panarin and Lafreniere and Fox with the winner. Again, there was some poor five-on-five play, unfortunately, for the Rangers. And it's something that we just have to live with, it looks like. Um, we're far enough into the season to, I think, properly assess what we have until the trade deadline comes. It just... We're in a situation where we need to have way more five-on-five chances than we get now. Um, I realized the other goalie for L.A., uh, Quick, he, he was great. But, you know, at making good saves is not the equivalent of not actually getting any scoring chances. And when the Rangers are five-on-five, they're not getting any scoring chances. And that is just not acceptable. It doesn't have anything to do with the other team's goalie. You know, you can have a terrible goalie or a great goalie. But if you're not getting any chances, it doesn't matter who's in goal. And the Rangers 5-on-5 five five have to generate more chances. They simply do, particularly early in games. They they seem to come out in a slumber lately. And again, in the first period, um, they sort of came out in a slumber. They did score a goal, but still they were outchanced. I don't know. There was you know, eight or nine minutes left in the first period, and, and, and the scoring chances were like 9 nothing or 10-1 to one or something. It was ridiculous. And, and so it's something that continues to plague the Rangers, but it's something that, you know, we have to live with, and they're doing their best certainly to overcome that, particularly with special teams and good goaltending, and that really goes a long way. Now, obviously, it's not sustainable in the long run. You have to be a good team and play better five-on-five, five, but being good on special teams and being having an outstanding goalie, which the Rangers do, and they are, um, will take you quite a way if, if things fall your way. It is important to manage expectations though as we go forward with the Rangers and we cannot rush this this building process um there was a pretty good article in the New York Post this week um about the Rangers and being realistic about the Rangers cup chances and they talked about all these previous teams how no one's ever missed the playoffs four years in a row and then you know won the cup and if we're being realistic about the Rangers they missed the playoffs four years in a row we're not counting those COVID playoffs you know, last year. That doesn't count. So essentially, they have missed it four years in a row, and they've detailed, you know, who's even won it, missing it three years in a row and two years in a row. And essentially, it talked about the importance of building a team and building properly. In other words, you can't go from being poor to winning a cup. Teams almost never do that, right? You have to get a little better, you know, at least history tells us that we do. Um, it is critical for the Rangers management here to while we make the most of trade options, remain patient in this build process, right? Um, you have to keep building, keep improving the team, but not make any rash trades or moves. And it's important to continue to play the young kids because let's face it, it's unlikely we're going to win a cup this year, but our future is these young kids. And whether they're going to be great or not, we have to know that sooner than later. And while you're building, now is the time to play them, see what we have, you know, get Nemeth out of there on defense. What the hell is he doing still playing defense? Things like that. Play the kids. Let's see how they do and move forward. 
So we got another good win yesterday over in a game we didn't play awfully well, which seems to be the theme for the Rangers this year. But nonetheless, we keep coming up with wins. So that's the story of the Rangers. And that's all I have for today. So thanks again for listening. And this is the Jersey Sports Podcast. Please tell your friends. And if you like what you're hearing, great. Thanks. And I'll be back soon with more sports talk. Have a good day.